Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. Let me preface this by saying that I work in a well-populated town with a low crime rate and no reason to outright assume any of these actions were what I later found out to be trafficking attempts. So I work at a popular coffee chain, generally doing afternoon closing shifts. This night in particular, we had a very young crew for closing, which happens at 10.30pm. For reference too, we have our shift lead, 19 female, her name is Sarah, myself, 17 female, my co-worker, 17 female, her name is Mia, and another co-worker, 18 and female, her name is Dee. Now, it had been a relatively slow night with only a few loyal regulars dropping by. Both drive through and the cafe were pretty much empty, as heavy rainfall had started and no one wanted to be out. I was in the front of the store cleaning while the rest of my co-workers were in the back of the store when an older man walks in. He wore odd clothing, a bit strange for the humid weather, a full black attire with combat boots, a heavy red jacket and a beanie on his head obscuring his hair. I brushed it off as protection from the storm and figured that he worked outside and went to ask if he had placed an online order as he stood at the mobile counter. Putting on my customer service voice, I smiled and went through my standard spiel but was alarmed when instead of responding, he places a bag on the counter and starts pulling out DVDs. Once he finishes pulling out a stack of ten or so, he stares past me into the back room where my co-workers were obliviously chatting and then makes a sort of lap around the store, eyeing me the entire time, not speaking a word. He backs out of the front door and walks out to his truck, which I now see is a a large black pickup. Freaking out now, I stupidly grab the stack of DVDs and run back to my co-workers. They're immediately alarmed by my demeanor and ask me what's wrong. I hold out the DVDs and let them inspect them while I explain what happened. Much to my discomfort, Sarah points out that all of the movies are about either murders or kidnappings. Slightly ticked off by this and extremely uncomfortable, we make the decision to call my manager. 
He picks up, and Sarah explains the situation, while I comfort Dee and Mia, who are freaked out, probably more so than I am at this time. He tells us that there's nothing that we can do about it, but to call back if anything else happens. So we hang up and move back to the front of the store as a group. Things pretty much go on as usual as well, but with an air of fear about us, I guess. Mia sticks to my side and Dee to Sarah's. The man's truck had pulled off at that point, but much to my dismay, had only pulled into the now-closed grocery store next door that had a clear view into the drive through window. A few cars pulled through the drive through and I even had a few customers ask if I was alright, due to my, what I assumed to be terrified face. I've always had a pretty good intuition about things, and this felt more wrong than anything else I'd ever felt. A bit more time passes though, and it's now time for Dee to leave. With the man still in the parking lot next door, we decided that it would probably be best for her boyfriend, Daniel, to come and pick her up. This wasn't an irregular occurrence too, and we didn't want him following her home. Mia then points out that a van had been sitting in the back of the parking lot for almost an hour at that point, which we had not noticed previously. Another gut feeling hits at this point, and I make the decision to lock the door. Daniel tells her that he's on the way and I inform my manager that we close the cafe for peace of mind, which he was fine with as business was slow anyway. Now, Sarah and Dee are in the back and Mia and I are up front. I go about cleaning the machines and trying to make idle chatter to keep her calm, which is no small feat let me tell you as she jumps every time she hears someone steaming milk. As we're talking and I have my back turned to her, she screams mid-sentence, get out. Alarmed, I whip around to where she is standing near the counter, close to the drive through window, and saw her pointing to a shadowy figure climbing through that window. The next few moments were just a blur of adrenaline-rushed thinking and what I can only explain is extreme divine intervention. It genuinely cannot be explained by anything other than some grand divine plan to keep myself and my co-workers alive. But grabbing her arm, I yank Mia behind me and grab the hot bucket of sanitizer that I had been using to scrub the counters around the machines with. I throw the liquid onto him, simultaneously pushing the man out the window, which he had only had his shoulders through, with a big red bucket now on his head. If you work in food service, you know the ones. Bulky things. At the same time, Daniel pulls up outside. Mia is now yelling for someone to call the police, and I see Dee and my peripheral running outside to our new saviour. I slam the drive through windows shut and lock them, with the man still laying on the ground struggling to get his bearings. I couldn't tell you how much time passed, although it couldn't have been more than like 50 to 30 seconds before I see Daniel rush the man who was now on his knees and pin him to the ground. Sarah and Mia were now pulling me to the back of the store, with both fighting back sobs and Sarah on the phone with the police. Thankfully, we have some awesome regulars who are also deputies that arrived within five minutes of our call and arrested the man. The aftermath was messy, but they eventually pinned him as a member of a local trafficking ring that had been caught years prior and let out on bail. Oh yeah, and uh, the van in the back that had kept Dee from leaving in the first place, it hightailed it out of the parking lot in the middle of all the action but was eventually traced back to people who were also a part of that ring. Even though I won't be releasing names or such as legal proceedings are still happening, I figured that I would tell my story here and 
I still work there and am very grateful for Daniel, who very well could have saved all of our lives in that moment. He managed to keep the man pinned the entire time until the police arrived and disarmed him. He really is the true hero of this story, although I do pride myself on quick thinking for getting him out of the store. Anyway, moral of the story, trust your gut feelings and always have a steaming hot bucket of sanitizer on hand. Oh, and uh, the DVDs? I should probably mention their relevance other than scaring everyone. The police did check them out during the investigation, which is technically ongoing, but found that they were blank. In my terms of terrible explanation, to them it looked like he burned blank DVDs, but unsuccessfully. So whatever was supposed to be on them didn't stick, allegedly. But they weren't the original DVDs. We never bothered to open them when they were in our hands anyway. But a part of me thinks that the police... They may be lying to me about it to hide the fact that there was something really bad on them. But I try not to think about all of that too much. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So, they lived in Connecticut and it's where I grew up. This happened when I was like 14. It was either right after Ed Warren passed away or not too long after. Me and my dad, we were staying at my aunt's house one night. It was a two-family house, so her and my uncle, as well as my cousin, her husband and their two children, they all lived there. It was a new house they had just built and moved in a couple of months back. I found this part out later, by the way. But leading up to that night, my aunt was having crazy dreams where a little boy would appear in her dreams every night, or so she thought they were dreams, and let her out of bed. My aunt said that the outside of the house was a very bright light that shone through the windows to the point where she couldn't see anything outside and the little boy would try to lead her outside. But my aunt would always be found in the morning by my uncle around the house, passed out on the bathroom floor, the living room, even the garage one time. They just assumed that my aunt was sleepwalking. So anyway, that night at about 2am or so, Everyone hears this loud screaming coming from the upstairs living room. Me and my dad and my aunts and uncle all wake up and run upstairs because it sounded like somebody was hurt. We get up there and my cousin and her husband are in the living room and my cousin's son who was about two years younger than me was sitting in a rocking chair. His back was to us but my cousin and husband were freaking out. So my dad and my uncle walked over to my cousin and went to see what was wrong my uncle touched his shoulder and he turned his head around and it was bright red. 
His eyes were bloodshot and his skin was starting to turn this weird grayish color. When they tried asking him what was wrong, he started speaking in another language and was rocking in the chair back and forth. Now, he was known as a kind of prankster of a kid. So my uncle and my cousin's husband, thinking that he was playing around, yelled at him to stop and went to grab him out of the chair. But when they touched him that time, he let out a huge scream again in another language of some sort, and his eyes started to roll in the back of his head. We all started freaking out at this point, not knowing what to do. My cousin went and got a glass of water, thinking that maybe he was sleepwalking and threw it on him, and he just laughed in this really creepy and sort of deeper voice. My aunt was a pretty holy woman. She would keep crosses and angel statues and even holy water in the house, so she ran back downstairs to get the holy water because at this point, we realized something weird was going on. My dad and my uncle grabbed him out of the chair. He was kicking and trying to fight them the whole time and held him on the floor. My aunt brings over the holy water and rubs it in her hands. My cousin lifts up his shirt while he's being held down and my aunt places her hand on his back and it literally burnt him. In fact, it left a burn mark the exact size of her hand on his back. He screamed and screamed for a couple of seconds before he ended up just passing out. I'm just standing there the whole time, absolutely terrified, not moving and just watching all of this happen. So he's passed out and not knowing what to do, they call the police. It's probably around 3am at this point. So the police come with the paramedics and talk to us all and the meds check out my second cousin to see if he's okay. He ended up waking up and they said that he was fine, save the still having the burn mark on his back. Not knowing what to do, the police recommended that they give Mrs. Warren a call since she was a famous paranormal investigator and lives right in CT. So nobody ends up going to bed at all that night and me and my dad leave in the late morning. Now, this next part I wasn't there for, but about a week later, my aunt gives Mrs. Warren a call, tells her about what happened, and invites her to the house. Apparently, Lorraine knew what the house was about before she even stepped foot in there. Apparently, the newly built house was built on land that housed some kind of a portal to the other dimension or something. I don't know, but... The little boy in my aunt's dream was trying to lead my aunt outside through this portal apparently because if a human entered the portal, it would be open enough for demons to constantly go through. Apparently one got through and was able to possess my second cousin because he wasn't strong enough to fight it. Well, Lorraine ends up doing this whole seance and cleansing of the house to get rid of it all and close it permanently. And they ended up living in that house for about another eight years without any problems ever again before selling it and moving out of state. I never did stay over there again though and to this day, that night, it still haunts me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So this is another good old story from South Africa. As people from there know too, there's a lot of game farms, lodges, etc. Especially around the area of Kruger National Park. This incident took place in a very tranquil four-star game farm close to the southern tip of the above-mentioned Kruger National Park as well. So, we frequented the lodge often over the five years before this incident as it was a favourite with me and my wife, then girlfriend. The lodge had a very nice central area with pool, restaurant, etc. And then the tents were spread out around, with the furthest one about maybe a kilometre from the restaurant. The chalets were very private and set up in the bush so you could not see the next one over and could only hear your neighbours if they were really loud. Sadly, the lodge has fallen on hard times and has gone backwards a bit. The weekend this incident took place, only two of the 25 plus units were occupied for the Friday night and we were the only ones there for the Saturday night. It did make me feel a little bit uneasy if I'm being honest. But to make matters worse, the lodge or the farm manager came by on Saturday morning saying that he's leaving the farm for the weekend if we need anything to just help ourselves in the restaurant fridges and leave a note and then we can settle the bill next week. Sure, no problem. We have the pool and the jacuzzi all to ourselves. We left to go for a visit to the KNP after the manager left and stayed out most of the day. We got back around 3pm and as we got out of the car I just got goosebumps. It was 35 degrees Celsius out, like over 100 Fahrenheit, so I definitely didn't get cold or anything. As we approached, we parked about 150 meters from the place that we were staying and had a little path that we walked down. And as we approached, I noticed big shoe prints over mine and my girlfriend's prints from this morning. That seriously put me on edge. I approached the place that we were staying and noticed the prince turn around and walk back the way that they came, but everything seemed in order. We went for a swim and a bit of a game drive around the farm and returned at around 5.30, started to make the fire, barbecue the meat and prepare some other food. Both me and my girlfriend seemed on edge though and we were just really quiet. We sat down to eat at around 8pm and... As we sat down, I looked at my girlfriend. She looked worried. I asked her what was wrong and she said that she was having a bad feeling and that we should go. I said that I felt the same and we need to leave now. Not after we ate, but right then. So we chucked our food in the cooler, grabbed our bags and we ran to the car, jumped in and almost raced out of there. As we went out the gate, we dropped the keys in the box and drove away, and the feeling of dread slowly went away. We made the 150 kilometer, almost 100 mile drive home in the dark and slept in our own bed. We woke up on Sunday and went about our day as normal. At about 4pm that afternoon though, my phone rings and 
I see it's the number from the lodge manager. I answer and he frantically asks if we're okay and I say, yeah, of course, why? He starts explaining and my veins go ice cold. Apparently, the lodge was broken into and ransacked this Saturday night. They took everything of value and what they could not take, they destroyed. It was a group of five men that did it and apparently there was no evidence that they ransacked any chalets as well. Only one. The one that my girlfriend and I were booked into. The one that we would have been sleeping in had we not left so abruptly the previous night. So that means that they were watching us. The lodge had cameras but the chalet did not and we left just after 8pm, probably about 8.10 when we had everything in the car and started driving. And at about 8.20 when we left the farm, as it was about 2 kilometers from the lodge to the gate down to a gravel road, the cameras caught the first signs of movement at the lodge just before 8.30. And at least one was visibly armed with a firearm in the footage, and a few had machetes. I shudder to think what would have happened had we have been there. The nearest people would have been like over three kilometers away in a straight line and we were completely alone on that farm. There was only a little bit of cell reception to at the lodge and none where we were staying. In other words, there was no way that we would have been able to call for help. Needless to say, we did not go to lodges or isolated areas for a long time after that. And sadly, the lodge and the farm went under not long after this, and I saw ads that it was being sold on a bank auction. That incident, it shocked us both quite a bit, and we vowed to always trust our instincts and intuition after it, and to tell each other if something felt off. We both have had that uneasy feeling since about three that afternoon when we came back, and the reason neither of us said anything was because we didn't want to spoil the weekend for the other. And that almost cost us, possibly, the ultimate price. So, the lesson that we learned here is to trust your gut. Trust your partner's gut feeling too. If something feels off, it's probably because it is. And it may just save your life, like it did for us. So, I would like to start this off with some good news. I am officially COVID-free. I still have a sinus infection, which caused the fever as well as some other symptoms, but luckily, it's fairly easy to treat, so I'll be good to go in no time. But now, to some bad news. So, while the past couple of days were pretty silent, last night was terrible. I had that unsettling feeling for most of the night, before we went to bed, so I knew something was going to happen. But when we were in bed before we went to sleep, my girlfriend joked around that she was possessed by a demon and kept making this really creepy grin, like one where you're smiling ear to ear but your eyes are wide open. I could tell that she was joking, but still, it was a bit creepy. But after that, she told me the ghost in her dream said that I was cheating on her. I'm definitely not. We've been dating for three years and I would never do that to her. So apparently this ghost is a, a homewrecker. 
while that's not necessarily creepy too, just annoying that something like this is going on, things picked up when she went to sleep. It all started with this loud booming sound, sort of like a big truck driving by your window with the rhythmic beat of the engine. At first, that's what I thought it was. The window in our bedroom is right over a street where it's not rare for a big truck to drive by, but this booming just never stopped. There wasn't a single point where this noise was coming from too. No matter where I looked, the volume of the boom just never changed. Throughout the entire night, it never stopped too. Never got louder, never changed rhythm, just kept beating. Normally, I would easily be able to write this off and just fall asleep, but about 30 minutes after my girlfriend fell asleep, she started talking. At first, she looked like she was having a pleasant conversation... She held out her hand for what looked like a handshake and started giggling. After that, I could hear her bring up my name in the incoherence of her sleep talk, so I thought, maybe she's talking to me in her dream? No. After a little more of the conversation went on, she looked at me with her eyes wide open and said, we're talking about you, and started giggling and then passed right back out. This creeped me out a lot reminded me of the first night at the lake house but after such a spook there was really only one thing that I could do try to fall asleep into a YouTube rabbit hole I put my airpods in I could still hear the booming but a little more muffled now and pulled up a video about another half an hour goes by and my girlfriend is talking again this conversation seems a little bit more serious though as she's not giggling and her tone changed after about a minute of talking, she sits up in bed and just does about the worst thing that I could imagine. She crawls over to me, to my side of the bed, crouches down on the floor, points under the bed, looks directly into my eyes and says, there's men moving around under there. After that, she got back into bed and fell asleep like nothing happened. I must have been about an inch away from needing to change my pajama pants after that. So I shake her awake and say, what did you mean by that? She looked really confused and said that she had no clue what I was talking about. I said, please tell me you're joking. You don't remember a thing? You just pointed under the bed and said that there was men moving under there. She immediately looks terrified and says, I have no clue what you're talking about. Quit scaring me. It took a bit longer for her to fall asleep after that, and I turned my phone flashlight on for the remainder of the night. Not much happened after that, but there was one other point where she held her hand out for a handshake and mumbled something, but no conversation this time. She left at about 7.30 in the morning, but after saying goodbye, I immediately got back into bed and I just passed out. When I woke up again at around 10.30, I felt this completely overwhelming sadness that had me on the verge of tears. Even in that moment when you first wake up and you can't remember a single thing about your day, I still felt that sadness. Now of course, I love and miss my girlfriend with all my heart, but she was only going to be gone for like a couple of days and even when we would take separate trips, neither of us get this world-ending feeling like this. It genuinely felt like the world had gone grey and the only thing that I could do was cry. Luckily, I was able to push through this feeling, give my pets breakfast, and take my dog out to the potty. But not even 30 seconds of being outside, and the feeling was 
completely gone all of a sudden. Again, I miss my girlfriend a lot. I still feel that, but not to the point of a mental breakdown. I don't know what's going on, but it seems like activity is picking up again, and the men moving under the bed definitely seems to miss my girlfriend too. Seeing as they're already trying to break us up and now I'm alone at the apartment with them, uh, I have to admit that it's pretty terrifying. I might go and get some sage to smudge the apartment later today or something. I'll definitely keep all of you guys updated as I'm absolutely terrified and if I get killed by a jealous ghost or something, then at least, well, it'll be documented. It was early spring of 2016. I had just turned 24 years old. My friend and I just reached our main spot to camp, Black Canyon Rim Campgrounds just outside of Payson, Arizona. We'd usually travel out here uh, two or three times each year, I would say. It has some incredible views and is only a couple of hours away from the city. For the most part, this area was pretty secluded too. A privately owned convenience store rested a few miles away with a small town 20 miles before that. The entrance was a dirt road, directly off the highway, with a campground sign at the start of the road marking local wildlife, any fire hazards and generally news relevant to camping folk. The pathing is mostly linear, with maybe one fork spanning several miles. We once travelled down the dirt road to see how far it would take us, but one of the paths would take you to another highway entrance, but with a ranger's tower halfway there. The other path led to a, a sort of a dead end. An abandoned cabin can be found on this path too, a few miles in, mostly hidden off in the distance behind some larger foliage. Now, the snow had mostly cleared up at this point, leaving for crisp air, a slight chill and fauna becoming active again. But we'd usually spot some wild horses, several deer and tons of little critters whenever we'd come out this way, it really was the perfect time of year for a relaxing trip to get away from the city for a few days. We got in around 4pm on Tuesday. It was late for us as we'd usually try to get out, by noon at least. This trip was pretty spontaneous though. We both had work during the coming weekend and decided to just go for it. The sun was setting fast though and we still hadn't even picked our spot to camp. There were maybe two other groups, both families, parked somewhat close to the entrance, only a few hundred yards away from the highway. This time around, we just wanted to get away from humans for a while. The customer service jobs will do that to you, let me tell you. We drove down the dirt road, past our usual spot, and finally we picked the perfect area, a small clearing just hanging off the edge of a hill. The whole valley could be seen from this area too, with a beautiful sunset. This would have been our main spot from then on too, if the next night's incident never happened that is. We agreed to get a campfire going and would just avoid building a tent this trip. We didn't have much time to do so anyway and her car wasn't that uncomfortable. I'd sleep in the back seat and she'd take the passenger seat. With the windows slightly ajar, we'd have a few blankets for each of us and would fall asleep into that unrivaled slumber. And the next day went fairly uneventful. We just sort of decompressed. But I had this strange feeling throughout the day though. Like we were being watched. 
There were crunching of leaves just out of sight every few hours, but I figured that it was just the local wildlife doing their thing. My friend didn't notice anything unusual too, so I didn't dwell on it. Night came and the feeling just still hadn't gone away though. My friend must have felt something she didn't vocalize though because she took some sleeping pills. She didn't usually need to take them on her camping trips. The nature's ambience was enough to put anyone to sleep, I thought. Anyway, it was nearing 1am and my friend dozed off in the passenger seat while I attempted to wind down in the back. I leaned against the side window behind the passenger seat, legs outstretched to the car's back door. The window opposite me was rolled down slightly with a cold breeze flowing in. I'd been on my phone just scrolling through Facebook or whatever when I heard something outside. A few crunches of the fallen leaves several paces outside the car. I whispered to my friend, Hey, did you hear that? But she was already out. I put my phone down and listened intently for a minute or two, but there was nothing. It must have been a small animal, curious of the camp. I went back to my phone, scrolling through social media. About ten minutes had passed, I guess, when I heard it again. It was right outside the door, though, this time, and I lowered the phone... My eyes took me a minute to adjust from the light of the phone into the deep dark of the woods. But as I turned my phone away from me, the backlight illuminated the window above my feet. And to this day, I cannot get the image out of my head. Two dirty, scabbed hands held onto the window. The fingers wrapped inside the car. The nails were long, unkept and dark. Behind the window, a silhouette of a face was pressed against it. The breath would create condensation every few seconds, but all I could make out were the reflections of those empty black eyes. I couldn't move, I couldn't scream, it felt like an eternity, the staring contest between me and this… thing. Thoughts were repeating incessantly in my head. Why haven't they run away when they saw that I noticed them? What were they planning? Is this the face of death? After probably about 10 seconds of not doing anything, the hand slowly unclenched the window and receded into the darkness. The condensation on the window dispersed. Another couple of seconds passed before I heard the dreaded crunching sound melodically fading into the distance. But I still just sat there. I mean, what the heck just happened? Why didn't I do anything? Why am I still not doing anything? With that thought, my body shot into adrenaline. I pounded on my friend's seat, waking her up from her slumber into a dizzy confusion. I unlatched and kicked open the back door and took a moment to scan the area. Whoever they were, whatever that was, it was now gone. I scrambled to pick up any important camping supplies that we left outside and just sort of crammed everything into the back seat and trunk, periodically looking over my shoulder, listening for those footsteps. I slammed the back door shut and there they were, a grim reminder of the horror that just happened. Two handprints imprinted on the window. I quickly wiped them off the window in panic, a reaction to erase the event I guess, but I jumped into the front seat, started the car and floored it out of there. My friend, finally coming to, asked me what the heck I'm doing. Listen, we gotta go, I said. There's someone out there. I didn't see whatever or 
whoever it was while fleeing the scene. Speeding down the dirt road, my friend insisted that I slow down and eventually I did. We reached the highway and I proceeded to drive 20 or so miles before we reached a Denny's where my friend asked for us to stop to eat and explain everything. The nightmares, they subsided a few months later. My embarrassment, it continues to this day, for the state of shock that I was in at the time that is. Everybody says that you either have a fight or a flight instinct, but I'm confused whether I have either. I mean, I just sat there and pretty much did nothing. I frequently tend to ask myself who was out there. Another camper messing with us? A resident of the abandoned cabin down the dirt road? Or maybe something more... I know, it sounds ridiculous, but paranormal residing in the forest watching lone, vulnerable campers as they drift off to dreamland. We'd still go camping there in the years ahead, but we never went too far from the highway. Whatever it was, I hope that that was the last that I've seen of it. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.